This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. You're listening to In the Workplace on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again are Professor Peter Capelli and Dan O'Mara. Hey, folks, welcome back. You're in the workplace. I'm Peter Capelli. Dan is in timeout this uh, week for swearing. He's For the whole week, right? Yeah, he's sitting by himself and and, uh, asked to reflect on why he was swearing in the last show. So we'll see if he's made progress and he can come out of timeout and be back with us next week. Uh, In the meantime, here is the fabulous Greg Shea with us uh, instead. Greg, wonderful to have you, as always. Glad to be here. Uh, And we're going to talk about the fine art of listening. And with us to talk about this is Oscar Trimboldi, who is the former uh, marketing director at Vodafone, the phone company, and also Microsoft. And he's been uh, working on this topic and thinking about how we can get better at listening and the concept of deep listening, which we're going to find out about right now. As I understand it, Oscar's calling us from the other side of the world. Oscar, welcome. G'day, Peter. Yeah, calling from winter in Sydney, Australia. Uh, And I understand it's really early in the morning there and really cold. Is that right? Yeah, we've got a good classic winter's day, nothing like yeah. you get in, uh, in around Wharton. Uh, we don't get much snow where we are. We're along the coastline, yeah. so a bad winter here is a good spring day for you. Don't gloat, Oscar. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm super mindful not to swear all of a sudden. Yeah, right. I hit by the Gian in the control room and the electric vibration yeah. coming down the line here. Oh, so, we're really yeah. serious about this stuff. Absolutely. So, Oscar, uh, tell us uh, maybe just to, uh, to get us down the path here a little bit of what deep listening is about and maybe just a little bit maybe in context here about why we ought to care about listening at all, I guess, first. Yeah, for most of us in the workplace, we spend 55% of our day listening. Managers are spending 63% of the day listening. Really? 83% of your day Hmm. listening if you're an exec. Really? No kidding. It goes up the higher up you go. It goes higher up you go, the more time you spend listening. Here's the killer stat. 2% of people have been trained in how to listen. You were taught math at school. You were taught a language. You were taught geography. You were taught science. But none of us were taught how to listen. And we've spent the 20th century learning how to speak, how to speak effectively, how to speak with influence, how mm-hmm. to speak with impact and mm-hmm. power. Everybody tells me they're still really, really busy. And the most counterintuitive thing I think everybody can focus on in the 21st century, the 21st century le- leadership hack is learning how to listen because you spend so much more of your day doing it than mm-hmm. anything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've can, done some, yeah, some can, yeah. I just want to ask you about the uh, about the hierarchy, though. I'm, I'm quite surprised. I think maybe other folks might be too, to find that the further up the organization chart you go, the more times you spend listening. Uh, can you give us a little insight as to why that is? I think a lot of people would think it's the other way around that when you get to the top, everybody's listening to you all the time. I'd say that's a great example of one of the listening myths. Okay. And the the more senior you are, the more time you're spending in meetings, one-to-many scenarios, as opposed to only one-on-one scenarios. So the more meetings you're in, the more of that time you're not going to be the center of 
the attention. You're not going to be centre stage. You're not going to have the spotlight on okay. you. Mm-hmm. I think what distinguishes good leaders from great leaders and good listeners from great li- listeners is the time they take to pause and get the opinions of everybody in the room rather than sharing only their opinion. Okay. It kind of narrows the productivity of the meeting. If you've got eight people in the meeting, for example, which is a common board situation, leadership, executive team situation, and there's only the leader speaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got a one in eight chance that you're kind of hearing the right kinds of things and you're discussing the right kinds of things. So we, we've done some proprietary research with 1,410 participants in a, in a three-year longitudinal study so that was one of the things that surprised us also, Peter. Mm-hmm. So tell us uh, some more of the myths about listening. So one of them you just told us is that uh, people at the top actually are or at least should be spending more time listening. What are some of the other myths we ought to think about? The first myth of listening is that you need to be focused and fixated on the speaker. Okay. That's handy. It's useful. Okay. But the reality is listening starts with you. If your brain is not available to listen, if you've got a movie playing in your head from the last meeting, the meeting coming up, the laundry you have to sort out when you get home, the shopping you have to do, the kids you have to pick up, if you're coming to a conversation where you're not present, then you're not ready to listen. And it's really foundational when we think about the five levels of listening. Listening at level one, you need to listen to yourself. And for most of us, we don't. We turn up with devices. We turn up with stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We turn up with distraction. So we're not even available to listen. So if there's one tip for everybody to improve their listening, it's this. Put your device in flight mode when you go to a meeting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll, be, you'll be surprised what that does. Mm-hmm. If, if you wanted a second tip, drink a glass of water through a whole meeting. And if you bring a, uh, a cup of Starbucks or coffee with you to a meeting... Bring two glasses of water or drink drink water more than twice you drink your coffee. And then the final one is breathing. Most of us aren't paying attention to our breathing. And research out of Canada shows us that the deeper you breathe, the deeper you listen. Most of us listen in black and white. And the five levels of listening help us to listen in color. Well, that sounds attractive. Um, uh, I hope that's a metaphor because I've been missing a lot of colorful listening <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> but let's. Uh, it sounds like then some of these things like um, deep breathing, right, is about uh, preparing yourself, relaxing a bit so that you can focus and pay attention. So um, not being distracted is sounds like a umbrella term for a lot of this stuff. Is that fair? Yeah, you break it up into three areas, uh, before you listen, while you're listening, and interestingly enough, after you're listening. So one of the things that our, our research study taught us that when when you come before the meeting, you've got to think about where's your attention, how are you going to stay focused, and how do you remove distractions? And a lot of that's really simple about getting your body in the right state, simply breathing. I'm not talking about moving into a yoga position yep. or doing, mm-hmm. moving into a dark room. Just three deep breaths in through your nose, hold it, then back out through your mouth. Okay. No, notice what's going on in your mind. If you take those three deep breaths, your mind will clear a little bit. And then please just switch those devices off in the flight mode. And if you're using laptops or you're using iPads and all of that, 
switch the notifications off. If you have a choice to use a stylus with your electronic device, you will listen better if you're taking notes as diagrams and mm. trying to write down verbatim notes. Uh, mm-hmm. What happens is the auditory cortex gets shut down when the visual's engaged with keystrokes, for example. Okay. And a lot of mm. people mm. actually say the words out in their head mm-hmm. when they're typing them in. Yeah. And while they're doing that, their ability to listen is reduced dramatically. Oh, no kidding. Huh, that's interesting. Uh, makes some sense. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what's the goal here. I mean, why should we listen better? Many of the meetings I go to, I feel that not listening is actually kind of a plus. Uh, what's the purpose of listening better? What are we trying to do differently as a listener? So a lot of you will be part of project teams, for example, and you'll turn up to regular work-in-progress meetings. And one of the common things in workplaces is people will come back at the next meeting a week or a month later and go, well, I've completed that task. And the person who delegated it to you said, but that's not what I expected to be done. And the reason they're not doing that is because they're not listening. So not listening creates confusion. It creates chaos. It creates conflict in the workplace. But more importantly, it adds cost. It adds cost to projects. It adds cost to the bottom line of business. But it also means we lose customers because we're not paying attention to them. We lose great staff because... They're not being heard, whether mm-hmm. that's through employee engagement surveys or mm-hmm. one-on-one meetings. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to explore your perspective, Peter, on sometimes it's good not to listen in meetings. Uh, well, I just find often the communication, I think particularly with meetings, often we don't need meetings, right? You have them and the information is just being conveyed. You could have read it, right? And uh, it, it seems to me the, if I were to guess, not knowing exactly the deep listening concept. I would say the benefit of listening carefully has to do with your responses to it rather than just taking the information in. I'd say, you know, a typical good meeting, if somebody's actually in charge of the meeting, is paying attention, it shouldn't be that hard to take the information in. But uh, crafting your response to it, um, you know, might require some really careful listening, right? Yeah, and you've beautifully role-modeled two of the four villains of listening that came through our research. Ooh, One of those good, I'm a villain. Is... Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the villain that you described first is the lost listener. Why am I at this meeting? Yeah. What's my contribution? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're kind of navigating in the dark, trying to listen for code words that matter to them. But the most important thing they should ask at the very beginning of the meeting as a great listener and this is the prep this is before the meeting starts what what is your expectation from me and what contribution are you looking for from mm-hmm. me to mm-hmm. make this meeting effective yep. too many of us don't say that okay and the cost for you is why well, i'm at this meeting you could probably be more productive somewhere else okay the yep. second the second villain you talked about is the shrewd listener you're trying to solve the problem before the speaker has finished explaining it. Mm -hmm. Not only are you trying to solve their problem, you're so smart, you've thought about three other problems they haven't even thought of that once they solve this problem, they need to think about as well. So the shrewd listener is so busy solving problems, coming up with solutions that they're not actually paying attention to everything that's being said 
everything that's being shown in terms of body language, Mm -hmm. and they're probably missing some of the bigger points. Mm -hmm. So how do we, um, that makes, uh, certainly makes sense, how do we become better listeners then? What do we do, and what does deep listening differ from regular listening? For a lot of us, again, we're not even conscious of what good or great listening is. Mm -hmm. Deep listening is, is the consciousness to hear what's not said. One of the highest levels of listening at level four is listening for what's unsaid. If we think about this math, Peter, the math is really simple. I can speak at 125 to 150 words a minute, unless I'm auctioning cattle or calling a horse race, I can Mm -hmm. get up to 200 words a minute. Mm -hmm. But I can think on average 900 words a minute. So the likelihood, the first thing I say is a well-rounded articulation of everything I'm thinking about on this topic, one in nine chance or 11%. So I don't know about you, Peter, but if I went to a surgeon and the surgeon gave me an 11% chance of surviving surgery, I'd get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. But in most conversations, we listen to what's said and we don't go and explore the other 750 words and some magic code words show up. If you ask the question, tell me more, mm-hmm. what you'll notice is people going you know what, what I actually should have told you was, or now thinking about it a little bit longer, the most important thing I should say is, uh, or they'll use the words, well, actually, and what they're doing is they're drawing those unsaid words out of their mind and actually speaking them. Mm-hmm. So the difference between active listening or, or regular listening is just listening to what's said. Mm-hmm. Deep listening is spending a little bit more time to explore what's unsaid because then you're helping the speaker to discover what they actually mean. Okay. And this is a level of thinking and listening that most people aren't conscious of. And yet great leaders who do this start to discover markets that don't exist, start to explore opportunities with partnerships and distribution models that they haven't considered before just because they ask the question, tell me more. Mm-hmm. So uh, thinking about people who do this really well. It sounds like um, uh, a really good uh, interrogator, right, Um, might be somebody who you would think is really good at this, because it sounds like it's not just the listening, it is the drawing out um, that is part of what you mean by deep listening, yeah? So it's drawing out the speaker a bit. Drawing, drawing them out. And, and I've had the chance to interview a couple of hostage negotiators and Ooh. an FBI negotiator as uh-huh. well as part of this research. And one of the things they uh, point out is the use of silence. Silence is really critical in helping the speaker understand what they're thinking about. It's not something we do well in the West. We call it a pregnant pause. It's yeah. called awkward mm-hmm. when we use silence. Mm-hmm. But in the East, in high-context societies, Japan, China, Korea, um, some of the ancient societies like the Inuit, uh, the Australian Aborigines, all of these people use silence really well. And I think great listeners also are comfortable with silence for them and for the person that they're listening to. So whether it's a high court judge a journalist, uh, as you mentioned, an FBI hostage negotiator. It could be a market researcher. But critically, critically, Peter, I think it's the leaders in the workplace. The multiplication impact, if you got 
all the great thoughts of your organisation, from people on the production line in a pharmaceutical organisation or a contact centre in a financial services organisation, if you could harness what they're hearing and bring that back into a way that you could explore new opportunities and new markets in in competitive fields, Mm -hmm. deep listening then has an impact beyond words. Uh, I was just thinking about this in in radio. We we call uh, uh, silence dead air. <laughs> it's yeah. sort of a bad thing. But I was thinking about uh, something I remember at the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library, where he was uh, he had his notes for the Camp David mediation between Egypt and Israel, and he yeah. had a little sticky note to himself, and the note said, "Sometimes it helps just to stare at them." Uh, which is your point about silence, right? He was in that case. I think the point of silence was to create discomfort on their part uh, to make them talk. Is there another reason for how else might you use silence? What's the other? Is there any other good reasons for having that break, that silence in conversation? Yeah, so silence can be used to create tension. It can also be used to create transition where we've moved from one topic to another. And you might simply pose to the group, hey, given we've discussed this, just take a moment and think about what that means for you. And just simply using 30 to 60 seconds in that context, silence as a transition helps them progress their idea and interpret it about what it means for them and what they're going to do next with it to make progress. So, yes, in the West, silence creates tension. In the East, silence creates transformation. So another piece about silence um, I'd add would be if somebody's really said something of note um, or of... um, of particular consequence to them, especially personally, um, silence is, can be a form of respect for the fact that they have said that. And the the airwaves uh, shouldn't be crowded by the fact of somebody else rushing in to mm. say something about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you about yeah. I wanted to ask you about Socrates. <laughs> mm. So um, and the Socratic method and how you would think about that in terms of your uh, in terms of uh, uh, deep listening um, without trying to uh, draw on distant memories that people have of the Socratic dialogue? Or, uh, would you say that kind of questioning, um, that kind of attention, which is attending to the, the the person who's talking, but then really asking them a question that's designed to push them in their understanding of what they just said, uh, so I just wondered how any of that uh, fit mm. into how you thought about deep listening. Mm. So can I just just maybe uh, add to what Greg said? You can add whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, thank you. Right, because <laughs> uh, I have a microphone That's here. Right. Uh, it, I, I think what Greg, uh, if I could rephrase and see if I've, oh, I've got good, what Greg, this Greg is, is saying. Is interpretive? Yes, interpret, okay. I'm interpreting. <laughs> uh, is this another way of saying uh, how can we help the speaker be better uh, at what they're trying to do, I suppose, right? I think that's what I yeah, thought. Anyway, yeah, Peter, great, great points both. And what a great listener is, is actually like a writing editor. Deep listening is not about the listener understanding what the speaker means. Deep listening is helping the speaker come to their meanings faster. And okay. so, so, 
the Socratic method is wonderful, but I, I think in modern days, people make statements and put a question mark at the end of it, and often their questions are biased. So here's a really simple rule of thumb. If your question is more than five words, it's likely to be a biased question. Hmm. So the shorter your question, the more likely it is to be a question to be useful to the speaker and to help them make progress. So tell me more is a really simple phrase you can use that helps them get there. I'm curious what else you're thinking about. Mm -hmm. That's another way to mm -hmm. ask something very mm -hmm. similar and mm -hmm. it helps them to explore those 900 mm -hmm. words I was talking about where they can only speak 150 words a minute where they got 900 stuck in their head. So what is a biased question? By the way, that's five words. Yeah, that's a, a great role modeling. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think an example of a biased question in the tell me more mm -hmm. uh, example that I, I spoke about earlier. Um, so your thinking seems to be quite limited on this topic. What else have you thought about? Okay. So I've put, ju I put judgment at the beginning of that question. Okay. Yeah. 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 So you, yeah. that, and that's kind of shutting off. Uh, the relation yeah, the word's limited, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Do you think we're getting worse at this? Uh, I sort of think we might be um, as societies. Do you think we're getting worse at listening? Our, our research is telling us the younger you are, the harder it is for you to concentrate because of your device fixation. Mm. And for those older in the survey group, uh, the distraction about multiple stories in their head driven by their experience across life means across all kinds of dimensions, whether it's age, whether it's gender, we're progressively getting worse at this because nobody knows what good listening is. 83% mm -hmm. uh, of us think we're above average car drivers. 89% yeah. of us think we have above average IQ and 86% of us think we're above average listeners. Yeah. And whether mm -hmm. that research is done in North America, Europe, South America, anywhere in the world, the stats are really consistent, whether mm -hmm. that's done in academic settings or in speaking scenarios that... People think they're above average listeners and are not really sure what good listening is. Mm -hmm. So uh, a different line here, um, an inquiry about how did you come up with the quest to create 100 million deep listeners? Uh, why 100 million? Uh, it's a funny story, Greg. I was um, I'm listening. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> I was sitting I was sitting in a budget negotiation between Microsoft Australia and Microsoft head office and our our vice president uh took me aside at the end of the meeting and said, Oscar, can you stay behind, please? And that's never a good sign. That's like when my wife says we need to talk. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So <laughs> And you need to listen. That's the other part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, here's a tip on that topic, Peter. Mm -hmm. um, women listen to feel and men listen to fix. Uh, mm -hmm. So men, mm -hmm. stop fixing yep. your women. They're not broken. Mm -hmm. But back to that boardroom at Microsoft. So uh, Tracy, the vice president, took me aside at the end of the meeting and said, at the 25-minute mark, did you notice what you did? And I went, no, Tracy, what did I do? She said, you completely transformed the meeting. And the meeting was a really tense meeting because we were, we were given budgets that we thought were completely unrealistic. We thought the budgets were um, completely out of kilter with the local economic conditions. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, I just 
paused and, and I asked the room to, can we reorientate ourselves on our purpose for the rest of this meeting? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she said it was a great example of a listening question. She asked me, is it possible for you to code how you listen? And I said, now remember, I'm working at Microsoft, so coding means something yeah, very different. Of course, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. I said, Tracy, do you mean code or code code? She said, no, I mean code, Oscar. And I mm-hmm. just went, oh, I'm never going to be able to code this. So four weeks later, the opposite situation happens. We, as the head office, now need to translate locally our budget requirements into sales quotas for the rest of our organisation, and the opposite tension turns up in the room. This meeting is run by our chief operating officer, who was also our chief financial officer. And at the end of the meeting, Brian said to me, can you teach me how to listen like you do? And I went, huh? And, Mm -hmm. And he goes, the way you did that... And I said, what was that? And he explained how I was listening very differently. I didn't think anything of it till many years later where someone said to me, if you could teach the world to listen like you do, you could change the world. Mm-hmm. And and they said to me, how many, how many listeners do you think you could create before you leave the planet? And I said, oh, I'll come back next month when we have coffee again. And I came back and I said, a million. And they laughed at me and said, you've got... Add a zero. And Mm -hmm. I just went, there's no way I can add a zero. Mm. Eventually, we get to the stage where the number 100 million, Greg, is a function of the following. If you can move 2% of a market, you can create a change that sustains itself across all the different modalities of the distribution curve of adoption. So if I can get 2% of the earth to listen differently, that will create a change where the rest of the world in the next generation will mm-hmm. listen differently. Mm-hmm. So that's the quest for 100 million yeah. deep listeners. You know, and I, w- I am in the process of trying to code it. <laughs> okay, yeah, good. I, I, you know, it seems to me, uh, thinking about this a little bit, that the the demand uh, for it, for becoming a better listener, is sort of a constraint. I think so many people believe that it shouldn't be their problem, you know. Also, what qualifies as work, right? Is that work? And that's probably a diminishing set of people who say, oh, that's actually work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's why we pay therapists uh, yes. virtually nothing because you don't pay people to listen. <laughs> well, I guess that's true. Uh, and and I think, you know, the, uh, I w- I, this is why I'm so surprised that uh, people at the top of organizations are spending more time listening or should be um, because I think there's a, a sort of a belief that um, we should be telling and you should be listening, you know, and that's kind of uh, – and, and I think that's a huge fallacy of, of leadership yeah, if you, if you – and time with exceptional leaders, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things they have in a magnificent radar to hear what's not said. Mm-hmm. They're, they're able to sense in the room, maybe there's a tension in the room or there's even worse apathy in the room. Yeah. And, they're, and they're able to draw out of the room and listen to the group in a way that helps the group make sense of the mm-hmm. journey they're mm-hmm. on. Yeah. I think Talking. this yeah sounds very much like servant leadership in general, right? I mean, the idea that... It's a related orientation yeah, one with yeah, you, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, Oscar, you got uh, probably time for breakfast now. What's happening there today? Is it, have you had your coffee yet? 
I'm an early riser, so I've been up for the last three hours. Breakfast a long time ago. Oh, wow. About lunch coming up. So, wow. Uh, Do you sleep? Thanks. or what, what time is it there now? Is it 6.30 there? Are you 12 hours? Oh, no. We're, we're coming up to 8.30, Peter, so oh, plenty, okay. plenty of time. Oh, uh, early. Five, five is when I rise and oh, uh, okay. do my best thinking at that okay. time of the day, but the batteries go down and I'm in bed by 9.30, okay. so uh, I right. get my sleep the other way. <laughs> Good. Well, we should let you go and listen a little more. Oscar, thanks very much for being with us. Oscar is the author of Deep Listening and Breakthroughs, and you can find him on his website, Oscar Trimboli, just exactly as you would think it would be spelled, .com. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. 